Hey everybody, Mr. B here. I hope you're all having a wonderful day. You can find me in a number of different places, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, all of those things at Mr. Bevers or at Mr. Underscore Bevers, depending on your preference. I am here to talk to you today and I have always wanted to have a planeswalker friend just like you. Hey guys, it's Murphus and you can find me on Twitter at Murphus MTG. And you can always find my articles over at uh, Commander's Herald. And I've always wanted to live in a multiverse with you. And hey, guys, it's Mr. Comet number five here. You can always find me at Mr. Comet number five on Twitter. I'll spell that except for the five and all of our other content at cmdtower.com. So let's make the most of this beautiful board state. Here in Mr. Bever's neighborhood, we're here to address the salt in the room. Every episode, we're going to address a top salty card ranked off of EDH Rec and have our dear friend Mr. B help us through how to navigate the social constructs around it. And we'll do this through the following. What makes this annoying or salt-inducing? Why do I or we react this way? And how can we form habits that could change this way of reacting over the long haul? And today we are going to jump in with a spicy one. Uh, we're going to be talking about everybody's least favorite time walk, Expropriate. Expropriate costs seven colorless and two blue mana for a sorcery. And it reads, Council's Dilemma, starting with you, each player votes for time or money. For each time vote, take an extra turn after this one. For each money vote, choose a permanent owned by a voter and gain control that exile expropriate. And uh, this card currently is ranked fifth on the salt score on EDH rec with an average salt of um, 2.7 uh, out of the highest, the highest being 3.11 average. Uh, it's got two printings, one from Mystery Boosters and one from Conspiracy, and it averages somewhere between $17 and $20. Um, some interesting things to note, uh, really the biggest uh, thing about Expropriate is the commanders it's in. If you take a look at its EDH rec page, there is some... Uh, salt-inducing commanders in in the seat for this card. You have Empress Galena, Narset, Enlightened Master, Yannette, Cryptic Sovereign, Yora of the Gitu, Send Triplets. So just even the context we're coming to this card in uh, is just laden, laden with piles of salt. Well, so Murphys, why do you think this card is so annoying or salt-inducing? Yeah, I think that, that, well, there are a few things, right? So one, time walks are salt-inducing. It is in our nature playing a game to want to play the game, which seems obvious, but time walks take that option off the table uh, unless mm. you're playing on the stack, right? So there's a lot of wheel spinning. Uh, the second thing is that time walks never happen alone. They always bring friends to the party and expropriate comes with a buttload of friends 
all wrapped into one card on top of things that you'd be running with it, like Time Warp or Part the Water Veil. Um, and so that can lead to a lot of wheel spinning and those fabled 15, 20-minute turns where you ultimately don't win the game, but everybody has lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think finally, and this might be a little bit of a hot take, I think it's the illusion of good choice, the illusion <sighs> of agency. Mm. So... I, uh, I'm a big fan of having agency, which is why I play blue cards and have a lot of untapped islands at every, at every upkeep. <laughs> uh, and this card has an illusion of choice. You get to vote, dear friends. You get to vote for time or money. And either way, you lose. It's, it's really like when it comes to tax time. You can have a high-paying job, and then you get hit with your 1099s and your W-4s, and then nobody's having a good day and it was an illusion. It was all a figment of your imagination. Uh, and having the ability to tag multiple permanents while also guaranteeing a vote for an extra turn is just backbreaking. And so I think it's really, it can be demoralizing. Yeah. I, I kind of broke it down into one word answers and there's six of them. Extra turns, theft effects, it's blue. It's a sorcery. It induces politics. My argument's over. That's why it's so annoying and salt-inducing from my perspective when I see people get frustrated. Uh, like you talked about, time walks and extra turns. I mean, that just really rubs people the wrong way. Theft. People are proud of their commander decks or their magic decks in general, even if it's constructed. And if if you beat me with your own deck, well, that's that's one thing. But if you beat me because you took my deck and or beat me with my own deck, that makes me feel even worse. Blue just has a reputation, um, which it is one of the most powerful colors in all of magic. Um, and sorceries, instances and sorceries have a reputation. You know, if this was just a creature uh, that was, you know, on cast like an Eldrazi, I bet you. It'd be it'd be salt inducing, but it probably wouldn't be fifth. You know, where's Kozilek, the Butcher of Truth on a salt score? I'm, I'm, it may be there. Um, but, you know, that's kind of how I look at that. And then politics, because like you talked about, Murph, there's that illusion of truth or illusion of choice that you're giving your opponents. But really what you're saying is I get four extra turns or I get one extra turn. and I'm taking a permanent of my choice from each of you guys. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And, and to that point, uh, Mr. Combo, I think that something that's worth noting is the closest analog creature to what you're talking about would be Emrakul, the, the promised and that 13 mana cost Eldrazi from, uh, shadows over Innistrad or Eldritch Moon, one of the, one of those in that block. And it is on the, on the salt list, pretty high up. It ain't number five. Um, it has an average salt score of 2.0 okay. uh, versus a 2.7. So there's, you know, a significant percentage difference in the way people rate their experience playing against a creature that mind slavers you versus uh, taking all the turns and all the stuff. Mr. Bevers, why do you think it's so annoying or salt inducing? Well, I'm, I think that the, Two of you both touched on most of the points that probably come across for most players. Uh, I think Murph said it the best there with a lot of folks end up 
doing these time effects or taking turns effects and not really going anywhere with it. So you yeah. lose 15, 20 minutes of your game time. Um, and <laughs> or if nothing life, really comes of it. Right. Exactly. Like Ain't that the you, you, you get to this point where people have sat at around the table watching one person kind of spin their wheels. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that can that can definitely get on people's nerves. It absolutely can. Um, it's I think that's probably the biggest one, to be honest. I mean, now, of course, you're going to have people out there that that do just like, you know, uh, it's blue and therefore I don't like it. Right. It's, yeah. It happens, right? Everyone's going to have their preferences yep. for those types of things. In this case, I don't think it. I don't think that should be one of the main reasons that this card is so salt-inducing. Um, yeah, uh, because I think that the turns itself is, and the illusion of choice, as you say, is probably the the biggest two, right? Um, that giving your giving your opponent supposed a supposed out to what may or may not occur, <laughs> not really, not really the best, right, for mm-hmm. folks. Um, I think I think you'll find the the thing I'm curious about is we talked about Emrakul as well, right? And the kind of combination between the two of them, right? And the difference between taking turns versus taking someone's turn, right? You take an extra turn or you take my permanence or I just take your turn. Um, and you notice that there was quite a big difference in the salt meter there. It's not number five, but yeah, okay, it's it's still up there. It'd be interesting to see how how that compares based on how many decks both of them are in right mm. like uh, that kind of thing is like maybe people aren't coming across Emrakul as often and that's why it's not as high right but who knows yeah and i think that's a great point mr b um as i'm looking at edh rec one of the things that stands out is that uh expropriate is only in three percent of all possible decks that's still a huge number 13504 mm-hmm. right like that is not uh, that's not nothing. And, and at- the interesting thing, Murph, to add to that is EDH Rec started this practice, I believe, four years ago now, where they actually clear out the cash of decks that haven't been touched, I think, within 24 months. So two years. Yep. And so that number might actually be bigger because they might have just scrubbed decks that just haven't been touched. Like my Empress Galena deck has an expropriate and I haven't touched that deck in multiple years. Right, totally. And I think it's worth noting in this conversation, especially if we're, it seems like we're comparing a little bit Emrakul, The Promised End, and and Expropriate, right? Similar similar feelings come to my heart, feelings, uh, complicated feelings of love and disdain. Uh, but it is worth noting that uh, the block that Emrakul came out in wasn't that far removed from Conspiracy. Like, oh. it was within, was it the same year? It may have been a couple years. It was close, though. Like, when I think about the time frame, it was right there. Emrakul is only uh, represented in, um, oh, let me see here. Emrakul is only represented in 1% of all possible decks that it can be in. Uh, and that number is even lower than expropriate in a total number of decks of 11,389. Yeah, and I would I would say the reason the disparity is there between Expropriate and Immercruel, just to, to be honest, Immercruel's a little niche, in my opinion. Um, you don't just put it in a deck, because think about it, Immercruel's colorless. You could put it in literally every deck available, known to man, 
You can and, put it in every deck. I have. <laughs> but, you know, uh, people don't. And there's a reason for that. I mean, people put Soul Ring in every deck. Uh, so I, I don't want to, you know, hear that argument. Uh, just a quick uh, point here. Uh, I did check. Uh, those sets did come out in the same year, about only like maybe not even six months apart. Uh, oh, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. The very, so, very someone close on the R&D there. team was really into extra turns, clearly. Hmm. Or just making people have this weird feeling of you're taking either my stuff or my turn, right? It's kind of mm-hmm. a weird scenario, right? Yeah, and to, to kind of bridge the gap back to expropriate as like the focus, right? That's what we're talking about here. Mm. I think the there is something to be said about pace of play too, right? Like we're yeah. talking about spinning the wheels. It's almost always, um, especially fans of the command zone, they know that one of the hosts in the command zone has a uh, a strong opinion about what is correct to name when you're playing against expropriate, right? Like yep. never name time, uh, always name money. Uh, and I think, you know, for the most part, that's probably optimal. Um, but giving people time when their pace of play is already slow in one of the most complicated formats of the most complicated, one of the most complicated games in human history, like that's just a feel bad if we're really honest. And uh, unless your pace of play is so fast, you're going to end up setting the table up for a bad time. Yeah. And I think the last thing that I'd like to, to ask the, the group here is let, let's look at a design change. Let's just say expropriate still sorcery, still cost nine, and it still exiles itself once it resolves. If it read Council's Dilemma, all the voting is the same, but whatever the majority was, that's the universal effect for the table. So if money wins all the votes, you get to take a permanent from everyone. If it's time, you get to take an extra turn for each of them. It would be a little less powerful because, I mean, in theory, your vote kind of doesn't matter because your opponents are always going to vote against you. But do you think that would be less salt-inducing because it's majority rules? Or if it's tied, it goes to whoever the spell controller is. Do you think that would be a little more palatable? So, I mean, uh, they definitely do do that with a number of other, uh, you know, voting cards, right? I can't remember if they're also called Council's Dilemma. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I believe that's the case. And Will of the Council. That's the one. Will, Will of the, of the Council, Council that's is the, the one. other one. That's the one. I was like, there is another voting from the other <laughs> conspiracy set that has yeah. similar. Um, and I think I think you're I think you've hit the nail on the head with it with this one. It's it's like if they had done a Will of the Council as opposed to Council's Dilemma and made it been like majority vote is the action that gets taken with the card. So if it's if it's time, then I get one extra turn and that's it. Not one turn oh. for each player, one turn. Mm. That's it. Or I get three permanents. It would have definitely made the card more or less salt inducing for the table, but it also would have made the card much worse for the yeah. person casting it, right? Because you chances are you know you're just going to end up getting either three permanents or only one turn, right? And it's kind of one of those things. Yeah, and for for nine mana, casting a bad blatant thievery is like it. It feels pretty rough. I think, I think that balance though is exactly right. Um, having one effect happen when the voting when the dust settles, having one effect hit, and having 
a cap on the extra turns without a guarantee of an extra turn actually makes it for some really interesting political situations. I would cost that card probably down to six or seven. Um, But I'm also not an R and D. So that's probably bad. Uh, In, in any case, the idea that like I can pay seven mana and I present the table with an option, I can take permanence to change the state of the game, or you can give me an extra turn to find an answer is a really interesting puzzle. Expropriate doesn't present an interesting puzzle. It presents a nine mana card that should win the game, but so often doesn't. Yeah, and my thought on it is, yes, for sure, if we went to a will of the council and you only got one of the effects once... I'm actually still okay for nine, but then let's make it an instant. I think an instant potential blatant thievery or a single extra turn, that is pretty like, oh, the I blue player the has nine mana up. That makes that it definitely Rift? much more interesting for sure. I would yeah. play that all day, all day. Give it to me. Shoot it in my veins right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and segue from here and hear a little bit about the CMD Tower store. Hey there, collective. Do you need a new playmat? Do you need some sleeves? Have you been forgetting your upkeep triggers? Well, be sure to head over to cmdtower.com slash merch and be able to pick up all the great swag made for you guys. It could be the Mr. Comma number five reminder token. It could be the Squee McGee get up and fight coin or heck, even our foil playmat or Jund holiday sweaters. All of it's there. Go check it out. All right. Well, uh, we're going to go from that over to, uh, you know, why do we or I react this way? And I personally feel that people get so salty about this card. It's kind of like what we talked about. It's, It's really illusions of choice, but at the end of the day... And the Goad, a member of our community, talks a lot about this. Discard and thievery are seem to be the two things that really get under the skin of magic players. You can get your counter spells count or you can get your spells countered, but you would like to believe that your opponent only has so many, so they're gonna run out. But a lot of times with thieving effects, which people have uh, experienced at the hands of my Emperor Galena, Empress Galena deck, uh, a lot of those can be repeated. And uh, Discard effects are wide and rampant. They're all over the place. So I think the fact that this card is somewhat doing half of a general archetype that people just get up in arms about. And then on top of that, it's like, well, if I don't want to just go out of my mind with frustration at you, what you get to take an extra turn for each of us that turn this down. That's literally not fair. Cause that's the other thing I would say extra turns is probably the third thing that I notice in our play group that people just roll their eyes. Ugh, I guess I might as well not play anymore. So that's kind of why I think it is, is just a little bit of expropriate just hitting on a lot of buttons. And if it didn't hit on so many or heck, even if it was Azorius, people would not be as frustrated. But that mono blue and that flexibility with tilting effects just really puts people over. And me, when it gets cast on me, I think it's hilarious and I laugh. Yeah, I think that that's going to be a diamond in the rough sort of situation, especially when you're playing in the wild or you're playing Mm -hmm. over a Discord server with maybe people you don't know. Um, 
And to put my my day job hat on, I think a lot of the salt actually comes from expectations, what we do with expectations for what a game is and how it should feel, right? Like mm-hmm. we have a very particular psychological category for what a game is. A game is fun. A game is interactive. A game is yep. challenging. And when, when those expectations are... Um, when those expectations are dashed uh, and crushed, uh, shattered maybe is even a better word, uh, what can happen is a feeling of powerlessness or a feeling, you know, it, it actually causes your body to respond in a way it would like you were getting into a bar brawl. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you go out for a drink and some dude wants to clock you it's going to be a bad day and you're either going to fight or you're going to run. Um, and that fight or flight response is really what we experience when we're getting salted out by cards like expropriate, because it's really destroying those expectations we had for what a good time can be. And it sounds like Mr. Combo, what you've done is actually um, recategorize some expectations and say, sometimes in games that can happen. Um, and, uh, I wish I was, uh, that unsalty when I get extra turned out of a game. Um, but so often my expectations are wrapped up in how long game actions take, not what game actions are taken. And mm. so, um, but yeah, uh, Mr. B, what are your thoughts? So, I mean, uh, you know, if we're talking about how I feel about it, I've actually never had someone cast expropriate against me. Wow. It's never you happened. Lucky guy. Has never happened. Now maybe that's just because I haven't been playing in the right pods or who knows. But it hasn't happened. Uh Mr. Combo, I guess that means it's a challenge for you the next time we're playing together, yeah. you're gonna have to do it. Um But I think the thing here is that I've I've definitely I grew up playing kitchen table magic with a with a with a friend of mine and his and his family. Uh, so his brothers, he had it was four of them. There was a, my friend and his three brothers. And they all played magic and we played kitchen table. And his one brother made a deck that was four copies of Memnarch, four copies of Dominating Lucid. Oh, my gosh. Uh, four copies of Bribery. Like and this was his kitchen table deck. Right. So just, you know, <laughs> 60 card deck with all of this in there. And. It was it was just absolutely miserable to play against because yeah. it was exactly what you're talking about. It was just he'd just take all your stuff and never let you right. play your own deck. And I think that's the main thing here is that when people take your things from you, it doesn't feel like you're playing the game anymore, right? That's that's the thing, right? Um, and that could be that could be a matter of your permanence, or it could be a matter of your instance and sorceries being discarded out of your hand, or it could be a matter of taking your time by taking extra turns, right? These all, all of these things add up together to basically be a kind of bad feels, I guess, or salt inducing, right? So I think for me, I don't, I don't have that problem personally, because, you know, when that sort of, I grew up in it, right? It's just kind of one of those things I'm used to that kind of play. It does happen. You kind of just get on and move along with your life, basically, right? You hope that maybe somebody else at the table can answer it in some way, or yeah. maybe you just wrap it up and go to the next game, right? Um, these things happen. My favorite adage in Commander is, you're here for a good time, not necessarily a long time, and extra turns can definitely make it a long time instead of a good time. And so you just have to kind of temper your expectations with 
when you play the card, you have to expect the people at the table to be kind of like, okay, are you going to win from this? Because if you are, then mm-hmm. we'll just scoop it up and we'll go to the next game. And you have to be okay with that as well. It's kind of one of those things you got to kind of give and take with each other, right? Because we want you to do the cool thing and expropriate is a cool thing when you play it, right? It's a cool thing when you get to resolve it. Um, so, you know, the players need to be able to respect each other in that aspect, right? So anyway, we're kind of getting into maybe the, the end of the discussion here, but well, I won't go any further. But for me, I don't find it that salt inducing personally. So the only thing that I would, and this is more of a question to you two, um, and we'll, we'll start with Murphy. Part of the reason I have the impression that people get so frustrated and attacked when I cast this card uh, or others is there has been a renaissance in the last, let's call it two years of graveyards and non-creature spells. Got a lot of stuff. Uh, maybe even going back three years. I'm trying to remember when Savine and Flashback, even though that deck was trash. Uh, I feel like that's kind of roughly when I remember it starting to come a little bit more prominent. And uh, instants and sorceries get abused left and right out of the graveyard. I believe a lot of people forget the exile expropriate clause when you cast it. Even though the player is going to still resolve it correctly, the pre-game on the stack frustrations like GD, why the heck do I have to deal with this? They're going to probably copy it. They're going to do fork. They're going to do all this stuff. And it, it's almost like people are having PTSD of when I was a child, I got in a car wreck. Um, and at the time, it seemed really, really scary and intense. But really, it was a fender bender. I was just scarred. And now in the future, anytime a car gets near me, in my head, I play out this movie scene where I'm like in a scene of Die Hard and I'm flying off the highway doing a barrel roll and the thing catches on fire. Somehow I'm still alive, but I'm trapped in it, just suffocating. It's just they really build up the trauma. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think that a piece of the puzzle we have to understand is that we're playing with people, right? Uh, and that's, that's a hard thing sometimes when we're playing a game, because we're playing a game, but we're playing a game with people and people are complicated. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I don't love the word trigger because I think the word trigger often gets abused or used too often in things that are, uh, ultimately not, uh, I wouldn't categorize as trauma. Uh, but there is uh, like a, a triggering thing that happens when uh, your expectations are especially about what the end state of the game might be or what happens when somebody casts the game winning spell. If somebody casts, you know, uh, entwined tooth and nail for, you know, if that's just sitting on the stack, every, everybody knows what's going to happen. Everybody yeah. knows it's, it's Avenger, Avenger hoof and everybody's dead. It's great. Let's just scoop it up. We don't need to see it. If you want to show the table that you have them, that's great. That's not what happens when you cast expropriate. Unless you have set up your actual board state, your win condition to capitalize on casting that spell, what happens is one, two turns and taking other people's stuff and then not ultimately winning the game. So it's as a spike as a spiky player, I try to never concede until they've shown me that I'm dead. Like show me you have it. You got to show me you have it. And so often extra turn spells, they never have it. They, they just don't have it. Um, 
the exception being something like Nexus of Fate generally is, they generally have it if it's a Nexus of Fate loop or something. Uh, but uh, I think too, um, I think too that the idea that my fun would be impeded by someone else's fun is a piece of this conversation that we haven't really touched on yet. There is, I think, in human beings, just this desire or innate um, self-protective factor that fun and experience is a zero-sum game. Like, it is about my experience and what is fun for me. And this goes both ways. Um, but when I, I used to run Expropriate uh, many, many moons ago in my four-color control, like my curious control list, and uh, I always got the salt. I always got the salt, and I couldn't understand it for a long time. But when I actually played back those games, my fun was the zero-sum game. Expropriate's a fun card for me to play, and it was not fun for anybody else. And that is a hard thing, at least in our play group, that's something that we had to wrestle with down here in Southwest Missouri was like, how many deck building and strategic concessions do we make for the good of the table versus the personal personal enjoyment of the game pieces, right? Um, and the same goes across the table. Somebody casts expropriate. Fun isn't a zero-sum game, my friend. Like, just because this isn't fun for you doesn't mean it's not fun for them to resolve it. And so there's there's really two roads there and we have to meet somewhere in the middle absolutely so like and that's i think that's sort of similar to what i mentioned earlier right where it's like you you know if they're gonna uh, resolve expropriate you got to remember that it's going to be fun for them to cast like they're they're going to be excited that they finally cast this card and and are resolving it because it doesn't happen every day let's be honest right uh, yeah. i mean at the end of the day it is a nine mana sorcery spell uh, and, you know, you could be sitting at a table with another player who has counterspells, right? Uh, or yep. you might not even get to your nine mana. Who knows, right? I mean, the game could end before you even get there. It, it happens from time to time. So yeah. you have to have that mutual respect for each other, right? And I mean, I think this is one of the things we talked about kind of briefly, and I don't want to get too deep down the rabbit hole uh, before we get to the end of the discussion here. But um, if you don't respect each other's time and just like, I guess, each other in general, right? You're, you're going to have a hard time coming to terms with each other as to what is fun and what isn't fun, right? Uh, and I think that's part of the whole, uh, you know, find the pod that's right for you in the first place, right? Yeah, and actually, that's a, that's a great segue into that last uh, segment. But hey, let's hear from our amazing patron community. Do you like CMD Tower content? Do you wish you could have more of it? Well, you should head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. That's where we really lean on the community for help in running our channel, but also giving back to you as well. So for just literally a buck a month, you can join and get tons of soft value, opportunities to be on the show, interact with the collective in our very lively chat. And then for even just five, 15 or 25 bucks, you're going to get swag. You're going to get RK post tokens. Really, it's one of the best values out there. Patreon.com slash CMD tower. All right. Well, Mr. B, we're at the final piece of this discussion. Um, how are we going to change these habits? What can you recommend to the collective 
if someone's playing expropriate and that kind of raises your salt meter, how maybe not to do that? So, I mean, I'm going to come in really hot here with the first take, um, and that is play permanence in your decks that you don't mind being stolen. Biggest thing. Like, remember, Commander's a game of fun. There's so many cards out there that might be good in your deck and not good in anybody else's deck because you've built your deck around these pieces of the puzzle that just kind of, they work together, but on their own, they don't function very well, right? So, you know, your best option for your opponent at that point is taking one of your lands, maybe? Who knows, right? Like, or maybe they take your soul ring and you're like, oh, well, whatever, right? Like, I lose some of my ramp, no big deal, right? Like, uh, that's the biggest piece of the puzzle here, in my opinion, right? Because then you pick you pick money and you move on with your life, right? They take a turn. They take something that doesn't matter to you. Now, of course, that's not going to be always the that's not always the easiest decision to make, right? Because, I mean, people do like to run big, beefy things, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's commander. After all, you want to show off those eight and nine drops. Of course, they're going to be maybe on the table already. Who knows? I mean, this is a nine mana sorcery spell. But I think you have to, again, this kind of circles back to some of the stuff we've touched on already in this episode, and that is respect each other's time and and fun, basically, right? So it comes down to two sides, right? One is going to be from you as the player having expropriate cast against you, but also from the other side as the player casting expropriate. You need to respect each other. There's going to be a right time to cast the expropriate, and there's going to be a right time to not cast the expropriate, even if you have it in your hand. And 100%. Exactly. And and I think most people need to understand that there is a nuance there with those actions and how it affects not just the game, but also the people that are playing with you. Um, as for how to not be salty about it, I think you have to come at it as a this is a cool card that this person has put in their deck. They're finally getting to cast it. Let's let them resolve it and see where it goes. If it ends up meaning we lose 20 minutes of our time to sort of wheel spinning. Okay, then we know for next time if the same player comes back with the same deck and they cast it again. Now we know, okay, if you, are you just going to spin some wheels? Okay, then maybe we just kind of speed up the process a bit. You take your turns real quick and we just move along, right? Um, that's probably the best advice I can give for that type of situation because at the end of the day, I don't think that this card should be as salt-inducing as people think it is, right? That's the difference. Hmm. Yeah, I, that's those are some great points. The big thing I think for me is many people forget once people have voted, you can't do anything. The person gets to pick all the permanents. And that's usually when I see people get really frustrated. And it's like, well, I would have sacked it to, you know, Altar of Dementia. And it's like, well, you can't do it now. Um, So or, oh, well, I would have used my counter spell. Well, you can't do it now. So that's the biggest thing I think I would recommend to the community and the collective is just keep on the forefront of your mind while it's on the stack. That's the only that's the last moment you have before resolution to interact with your board before your opponent gets to do it for you. And just to quickly poke in there, that is remember this before anybody votes, you need Mm -hmm. to interact with the spell before anybody votes. So before they allow like you can't wait for two other players in the pod to vote money or time and then decide oh i'm gonna counter it that's no you gotta decide up front uh because otherwise maybe what they voted might change what your game action is and you you can't have that as soon as the voting starts that's it 
Yeah, I, th- I think these are great points. And I actually, I have three, three points, one about gameplay, one about game pieces, and one about um, just our personal psychology, like how, how we can change how we operate, right? Um, in terms of gameplay, it, just to echo what uh, my friends have said here, collective, know how priority works. Like that, that matters. We overlook it a lot in Commander because it's a social format. It's a casual format. But the number of times that I have resolved something like expropriate and particularly expropriate to only to have people rage quit because they didn't understand how passing priority worked. Um, I, I don't have enough fingers and toes. Uh, you know what I mean? So understand how priority works from a gameplay perspective, uh, from a game piece perspective, friends, I have found in my travels that not many of you run enough interaction and it has burdened my soul. Uh, you, you need to run interaction. I know it can feel bad when you're on battlecruiser.deck and you just want to do the thing. But part of playing a game that's interactive with other people is that unless you're goldfishing really fast, you need to have a way to disrupt other game plans. Yeah, and I'd like to add to that, I am someone that has now hit a point in their magic career that I'm building decks off of fun, weird themes. And interaction is usually the thing that is the last that goes in the deck. And uh, I look at it as I take a step back as a deck builder and I say, you know what? I'm okay with that. If I go into a game and I lose because I didn't have the interaction, that's on me. That's not on my opponent for the deck they built. So that's another piece I kind of take away from it. If you're someone who likes battlecruiser.deck, don't be frustrated if you get counterspelled out or board wiped out because you didn't have interaction in your deck because that was your choice. Yeah, a heroic intervention goes a long way. Uh, honestly, a miscast, a dispel, a good old negate, just slamming something like that. Um, Boros charm. Boros charm, right in the kissa. Uh, you know, there's a lot of interactive spells all across the color pie that can be really helpful in actually making it so that your, your game plan is viable. Um, so that's for game pieces, play interaction. Uh, and then personally, um, we can only control what we can control, right? Like if you think of spheres of control, you know, what, what is my concern? What do I have influence over? And then what can I actually control? That circle is super small. And really the only thing you can control is how you, how you respond, but also how you prepare for games. Right. And so we, I, we all talked about uh, either directly or indirectly the idea of expectations. Um, so going into um, a pod, either setting expectations through a rule zero conversation, which I know uh, Command Sphere uh, has, you know, Rachel Weeks and uh, some other members of the CAG have been doing a lot of work on the rule zero conversation for the good of the community. And I think that's been great. You can't always control the rule zero conversation. You can't always control your pod, um, especially if you get to play magic rarely and you just got to work with what you got. So sometimes you have to sit down and say, am I going to be okay if my worst fears happen in this game and I get my stuff taken and somebody spins their wheels for 30 minutes and we just 
blew, you know, the potential for a third game of the night or something. If you aren't okay with that, then build accordingly. Build build and bring something to the table to prevent that from happening or change how that might occur. But internally, also check yourself. Like check what your hopeful outcomes are and check what you think fun is. Is fun a zero sum game or can I take care of my pod and my community by sacrificing a little bit of my personal fun for the good of the table? Yeah, I think those are all great points. The the only other thing I wanted to add and this always comes up and it's something that I've started trying to be a little bit more vocal about. Commander specifically is a very politicky game. But whenever these vote cards get cast, it's like, well, what are you going to do? Well, what are you going to do? Well, what are you going to do? Quit asking everyone what they are going to do because they are your opponents. Yes, you might have a very brief moment of unification, but they are your opponents at the end of the day. They are looking to win the game. So if uh, I'm player one and I cast expropriate and Mr. Bevers is player two, you know, yes, he could take a look around the board and maybe listen in. But for me, player two always sets the tone on the voting. Whatever they do, traditionally, the rest of the table will do. So don't worry about your opponents. If you feel like, hey, money is the best route, pick money because most likely everyone else will. And you know what? This may sound crazy. There are times where time is the one that you want to pick. If they have nothing on their board and no hand, pick time. And if everyone else wants to say permanence and give them stuff, that's on them. Set your tone about how you want the spell to affect your board. Don't be so caught up in what everyone else's is. Because I think that just adds to some of the frustration. Like, ah, I told you guys to do this. Now, you know, it's impacting me because I had to make a choice I didn't want to. Make your choice and live with theirs. It's definitely hard, right, to to manage, of course, your feelings, obviously, for everybody, right, when the decision you make is impacted by other people immediately, right? Let's be honest. Uh, that's that's going to be something that happens in life everywhere, regardless of whether it's Commander or anything. Much like you, like we were talking about, Murph was talking about the centers of control, basically, right? Your your circle of this and circle of that and circle of control. It's very small, right? And and this is a very good instance of that where you make a vote and somebody, the other two players make a vote and it's different than what you voted. Well, it's, well, it's just you're going to have to deal with it because you have no control yep. over what the, you know, and there's no point in getting angry at them for making the decision that you don't think is correct. Because they made the decision based on what they know about the game and what they know about their board state and what they know about what's in their hand, which you have no knowledge of necessarily. So just remember, everybody, that at the end of the day, you're here to play a game, right? And you're here to have fun with each other and weird things are going to happen. That's just going to happen in every game of Magic. You're always going to have these instances of things that go differently than you expected them to. And you have to be able to roll with those punches. It might be easier said than done, right? But that's the first step, right? To getting into into the sink of, I'm not salty about this thing happening anymore because you've now come to kind of accept it as this is something that could happen. And so therefore it did. And now we just see how it plays out, right? Yeah. Unless you have the interaction, like Murph said, if you don't have the interaction, you have no reason to complain, basically, right? That's the biggest, that's the... <laughs> That's the other one, right? That we need to worry about. 
Um, but yeah, I think I think the at the end of the day, everybody just remember that you're here for each other. Uh, you're here in a pod with three other people. Remember that they all have their own opinions of things, right? It's just how it's going to be, right? Um, and they definitely don't all think the same way, right? Everybody's logic is always a little bit different. It's just how the human mind works, right? What you think is the right decision might not be what they think is the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Well, hopefully, our fellow members of the collective, you too have learned how to be a more joyful magic player when your opponent attempts to throw a little bit of salt in that eye. Hope everyone has a great night. See ya.